parenting is a lot more intuitive if we really just don't listen to all the outside noise and we just parent in a more observant way, a natural way where we get curious about our child. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. It's hard enough being a mom and the last thing you need is stress from too much stuff and an overcrowded schedule. For too long, I lived with the mindset that bigger was better, and the more I added to my life, instead of feeling better, I felt overwhelmed. It was time for a radical new mindset. Less is more. I'm not into extremes. I didn't throw everything away. My brand of minimalism is more about adding than subtracting. Get rid of the excess to make room for what you love. In other words, it's about living life with purpose. I hope you'll listen in as my guests and myself can inspire you to think more and do with less. Joining me today is the voice behind the popular Instagram account, Montessori and Outdoors, Elizabeth Estrella. In this episode, Elizabeth shares how embracing Montessori principles in her home has transformed family time by minimizing clutter and maximizing moments together. From spaces designed for imagination to outdoor adventures that spark learning, Elizabeth reveals her top tips for creating a Montessori-inspired environment. For those that are new around here, I release bonus episodes that serve a niche part of my audience. So if this topic doesn't fit what you're looking for, check back later in the week for a conversation about creating margin and really gaining control of your schedule that you don't want to miss. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited as well. I can't wait to hear about your wee cottage. As you say, you live in a really tiny home and minimalism has helped influence living with less and living in smaller spaces. But before we get there, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? My name is Elizabeth and we are a bilingual biculture family living in Colorado. We try to live as simply as possible within the realms of working full time and parenting a three-year-old. Both minimalism and taking advantage of the easy outdoor access we have here have helped us achieve this. And yeah, I really like to just share how having meaningful connections as a family is possible even when you work full time and even when you have a small home. Absolutely. And so I always ask every guest, do they consider themselves to be minimalist? And I'm wondering what came first, the chicken or the egg when it came to (laughs) living in a smaller home? I've never been a big accumulator of anything, but once we moved into our wee cottage in the suburbs, I realized that I needed to become more minimalist, if you will. And so we got rid of a lot of the things that even though we loved and we wanted to have them, we we couldn't have them in our small home and still enjoy them. And so the small home and the new setting really pushed us more towards minimalism. And it's been great because we've been able to make more time and space for what really matters in our family and in our home. So I'm wondering how Montessori came to play with all of this. You have the Instagram account Montessori and Outdoors, and I'm wondering what spurred your love for Montessori type learning. Yeah, for me, it was At first, just, you know, the algorithm started to introduce me to these Montessori pages. And then I came across the page for Simone Davies, who is the author of the Montessori Toddler. 
And I ordered that book. And the first thing was aesthetically, I was very attracted to Montessori. But then more than that, it aligned with what we were already doing. So when my son, Eliam, was a baby, we were outdoors a lot with him. And we were never had a lot of toys or anything like that. But it was really interesting to find out how Montessori at home helps us also connect with our child through everyday life activities. And we don't need a lot. We don't need a lot of toys or activities or things outside all of the time in order to make those connections. And so I started with that, the Montessori toddler, and from that read some of Maria Montessori's books and some other parenting books that really align with what we want to do as a family and how we want to raise our son. I'm familiar with Simone and she wrote the second book. I can't remember what the second book is called, but she wrote it with a woman named Junipa who actually lives in Africa. And she started a Montessori school in her town. And I had her back on the podcast in episode 183. So I want to point listeners to that episode, but we talked a lot about how, I guess, kind of what we're going to talk about today in raising Montessori children. What are some key important factors for you, your son's three. So what does it look like to implement Montessori learning with him? Yeah. So for us, it's inviting him into our everyday lives and making him feel valued as a, as a participant and member of the family. And so we are like, one of our goals for 2023 is to be a lot more intentional in our everyday interactions. And so when he was smaller, around 20 months old, we noticed that he wanted to help us with laundry, with with uh, clearing the dishwasher, with putting away things. And then we got really busy last year and we're going back to that slowness of, you know, our morning routine where we separate time to first connect with him, hang out with him, you know, talk to him, greet him, and then we start our day, but together. And so we're doing a lot of those things that we were doing in the past and kind of stopped doing because we were rushing. So now he's helping us unload the dishwasher. We've made the home a lot more accessible. Now we have more stools everywhere because he wants to be able to get water at the fridge whenever he wants. And so he can do that now and he knows how to stop pouring himself water, whatever whenever the cup is full or even cooking. So he wants to be a part of that. So even though it takes a little bit longer, it really makes for a happier home and a happier environment because, you know, we're not fighting forces between time and our busy schedules. We're really just using what we have and then slowing down a little bit to give him that meaningful connection. And so with cooking, a lot of times what I do is I'll make the food or I'll separate the food out into different bowls just to make things more accessible for him. And even though, like I said, it does take a little bit longer, I really have noticed how it just brings a lot of joy to him. We sometimes see these things as chores and as things that we have to get done and get through with the week, but 
these things are things that our children want to be a part of. And so that's what it looks like for us. Even with laundry, if I'm going to do a load, he comes up with me. He loves to put clothes in the washer and then he loves to add the detergent. That's one of his favorite parts. And then start the machine. So those are all things he was doing when he was smaller, but now he's part of more of the process. That's how it looks like in our home, just slowing down a little bit. And even if it takes a little bit longer for us to get things done, it really has diminished that need to fight for time and to make time when we're both working full time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's what it looks like for us. Yeah. I like that with the Montessori method that the teacher is more of a guide. So we're guiding our children and not necessarily directing their every step, but we're allowing them to somewhat take the lead in and helping us. But also I would just say it's like more of a non-traditional way of learning. Yeah. And I think the one part that really, or one thing that really helps is scaffolding those skills. So, you know, a younger toddler might only help you bring a basket to the laundry room, but then an older toddler can start to load the laundry, the load the washer, and then add the detergent and start the machine. And so you scaffold those skills and and you model them constantly and they learn them and they want to do that as well. Yeah. I saw, gosh, what was it? It was a reel the other day on Instagram and it was talking about how nowadays we'll just hand our kids a fidget spinner, just something to do mm-hmm. with their hands. But we've taken away things that used to come very naturally to children. We would hand them a stick and they would whittle. We would hand them uh, maybe some knitting needles and they would knit or they would sew or they would help us in the kitchen and knead bread. It's just like we've taken away some of these things that are not necessarily crucial skills, but life skills that we take care of and we don't allow them to join us with anymore. And I, I thought that was sad, but also challenging and convicting to me. Not that I give my kids fidget spinner, spinners necessarily, but just... Uh, to allow them to participate a lot more in the day-to-day skills, because that is my job as a guide in helping them grow up. Yeah, absolutely. And also we need to realize that children really do want to do whatever we're doing. And so they don't see it as a burden or as a chore. So it's important to invite them and to make that a time to connect because these things have to get done. And when you work full-time, like we do in our home, it can be really stressful to see all these Instagram pages of parents who are home with their children all the time. And, and it seems like maybe they have more time to do these things, but you can also do them if you work full time, you just have to be intentional about slowing down just a tiny bit so that you make space and time for your children and they feel valued. So I just want to know what elements of your home look like, because how many square feet do you live in? Did you say? So we live in 1,100 square feet. That's not terribly small, but it is small for the average home in Colorado, especially for the newer homes uh, being built. And uh, at first it was, it was a little bit scary for me to 
uh, live in such a small home, but then we were able to get rid of a lot of things that we realized that we liked them, we wanted them, but not necessarily would have the time or space to fully enjoy them. And so we live in a pretty small home. And then it's just made me think a lot about how back in the day, people lived in in small homes. And a lot of families had bigger sized families, so five children, and they all lived together. And that's probably why they weren't given a fidget toy or, mm-hmm. or something else, but given, you know, just had to be a part of the family and what was going on because everyone was constantly together in smaller spaces. Yeah, we moved from just around, I think, 950 square feet. This house we're in now is 1500. And it definitely was nice to have a little bit more space to spread out. But I mean, my boys still share a room, which I'm actually very pro children sharing rooms because childhood seems to be like one of the only times that we we don't have roommates. So I'm very children sharing rooms. Uh, However, the only complaint is that in the mornings, my three-year-old will wake up my five-year-old and I'm just like, I want to make more space for you so that you could sleep a little bit longer. But that's, that's a silly complaint. Um, All that to say, I think that these homes that they're starting to build on our street, they're knocking down these older homes and throwing up these massive houses. And I just am curious to see how people are actually living in these spaces. I mean, what they're inhabiting, because I've seen studies with heat maps of where people actually spend their time in the home. And it's like, we're only spending time, maybe a little bit in the living room when we're cooking in our bedrooms near our beds. I mean, the heat maps don't lie of how little of our huge homes we're actually spending time in. So I think that's just something curious that we should think of if we're going to move or if we're desiring more space, like what space are you actually taking up in your home? Do you actually need more space or do you need to declutter your home and and use the space more intentionally? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly would like a little bit more space as well, just because right now we don't have space for a designated separate office room for me. And I would love that. But at the same time, it has helped me become more aware of what we have and for it to be visible as well. So I find that a lot of times we have things hidden or, you know, in the back of the drawer or in the back of a cabinet and we forget about it. And so the smaller space has really made me aware of, okay, what do I have? And even though I like this or I value this, how much can I really use it? How much can I, you know, take advantage of having it? So it becomes important to really think about not only like, do I use this once in a while or can I really use it more than once in a while? And it's meaningful to have it in our home and for it to take up space in this small home. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to your home, what does it look like? Again, you have a three-year-old, but what does his play Mm -hmm. space look like? How do you set that up for Montessori? And then I also want to hear how you would encourage others. I mean, that's what you do on your Instagram page. So I want to hear your encouragement to others and how they can apply Montessori learning to their home. But let's first start in his playroom. What does that look like? That's one thing that he doesn't have. He doesn't have a playroom. And so he has a shelf in his room where he has a few things out and we try to rotate those things. So he has right now, it's a lot less Montessori type toys because they're more open ended. So he has 
Duplos and books in his room. And then we have a really small nook in our living room area, between our living room area and kitchen. And so in that nook, we have a bookshelf where we've always rotated activities. And so we always have only had anywhere from six to eight maximum activities or toys out. And we put them on that bookshelf. More than that specific designated space, what we do is include him a lot in our daily lives and then also get outside with him. So that's why my Instagram handle is Montessori and Outdoors, because I really feel like without the outdoors, motherhood would be so much harder for me. But we take full on advantage of being able to get outdoors as much as possible. And we do it in in simple ways and then in more planned out ways. So we sometimes just get outside for a walk or we go down to our neighborhood park. But a lot of times we also are able to make a drive out to a further park. And the nice thing about living in Colorado is that we have a lot of trails and a lot of really good parks for children that make it a little bit easier for us to get outside. But it's always been a part of my motherhood journey. And, you know, even before I knew anything about Montessori or anything about parenting at all, it was very natural for me to just get outside with our son and go out for walks or go and sit by the pond that was nearby our old home. And so getting outdoors has really been another way for us to get outside of the small space and then have some fresh air, enjoy what we have outside the natural world, and also just have the opportunity for our son to have the gross motor movement that he needs. And so with a smaller home, we can't have all of the things that you might see, like the pickler triangle or, you know, little slides or ball pits or anything like that. So we really just use the outdoors to get that gross motor movement in. And then we have all types of weather here in Colorado where, you know, we have all four seasons and we get outside all of the time and we've learned to adapt to the season and get out no matter what. So I want to talk about that because I feel the same way too. We are not often in our home because we're outside in nature at Metro parks. Columbus is a, has a great Metro park system, or just, we have some great playgrounds around. We don't necessarily need as many toys here because we are using nature as our playground and our toy room, if you will. Um, I want to talk a little bit about though, when we're outside my kids, I definitely allow them to push limits and, and push boundaries and allow them to figure out what their body can do. And you talk a lot about risky play. I know that you have a post from this just a couple of days ago. So I just want to touch on risky play and why it's important and why it's also a Montessori idea as well. Yeah. So Montessori is a lot about following your child and, and trusting your child. And so what that looks like for me is ever since Eliam was a baby, I would watch how careful and calculated his moves were. So we had a little play gyms 
Bowers was a wooden one and it was not very stable if he tried to pull himself up from it, but he would. That's what he would try to do when he was starting to pull himself up from things. And so he was so careful about it and he knew when he was going to fall and almost knew how to land. And so I observed him very closely and was right there with him in case he needed me. That closeness and that relationship and observance has just grown over time. And so, you know, we started to get outside and then he started to walk. And then I noticed that he wouldn't just go from do steps without first sitting on his bottom and then going down the step. But this was never something that I told him. I would just watch him very closely and I saw that he was aware, like, aware of his surrounding and a lot more than I would think if I wouldn't have given him the chance to show me and and tell me how aware he is. Also, after he was walking and then running and going down steps, no longer sitting on his bottom to do that, but just doing it very carefully, he showed me how careful he is. I don't think all children are like that. Like, I think, you know, you have your children who are maybe a little bit more hesitant or children who are a little bit more, they're devilish. And so it really is about knowing your child and knowing how to help them and guide them. And so for me with our son, like we just stay close and he knows that he can call on us at any given moment or if he feels stuck. And I think that security and knowing that we're right there if he needs us gives him the confidence to continue to explore and expand with his abilities. And I think a lot more children can, you know, build up more confidence when you also trust them. I think they are definitely more capable than we give them credit for. And I can just think back to my own childhood and things that I would do more unsupervised just because we would just run around the neighborhood climbing trees or climbing on rocks, what have you. But I also like when my kids are doing more risky behaviors, if you will, more so I'm thinking about when my son was a toddler, I would always ask him, do you feel comfortable coming back down? Like, do you feel sturdy? Those kind of questions to where you're not freaking them out because I think that they would have more confidence if, yeah, like you said, we don't put our own fears on them because we think they're not capable, which they absolutely are. And again, maybe that's a blanket statement, but I think in general, think about how often your kids surprise you. So I, I think for the risky play is really important to building, I don't know, just confident kids. Yeah, it really is. And like you said, it was like that when I was a child too. Mm-hmm. So it was just natural. And so uh, I think that influenced my way of, of raising Eliam too. Parenting is a lot more intuitive if we really just don't listen to all the out, outside noise and we just parent in a more observant way, a natural way where we get curious about our child. And that's our focus. Absolutely. I'm trying to get into the habit of saying yes more often, finding a way to say yes, because especially towards the end of the year, it was like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, stop doing that. But how can I reframe that and encourage them in other ways so that they're hearing yes 70% of the time and no 30% of the time. I'm sure there's some type of statistic there, but I just want them to feel encouraged in the things that that they're trying to do. And again, that doesn't mean that they have free reign and they get to lead our household. It's more so I want to give them that 
authority and independence. And again, if I need to help set the perimeters by change, finding a way to say yes, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I think that's great because children really do hear no a lot more than than they need to. My husband and I are always asking ourselves, does it make sense to say yes right now? You know, and, and if it does, let's be flexible, even though, you know, it wasn't in our plan for for us to do that now or for Eliam to have his dessert before dinner or whatever. Like, can we be flexible? And so, of course, we're not just saying like, yeah, go and have your dessert as much as you want whenever you want. But if he asks for it, does it make sense to say yes? And do we just monitor the portion or the amount? And so that's what we're also trying to really be more intentional about thinking about. Can we be flexible? Yeah. And why am I saying no right now? Is it because it's right. inconvenient to me? My son the other day asked if he could get one of those dino eggs out and you excavate the dinosaur. And mm-hmm. I didn't really clean up the mess afterwards. So I was like, no, you can't do that. And then I thought about it. I'm like, oh, it was really just because I didn't want to clean up the mess, but there was no reason he couldn't have. We weren't doing anything. We were just hanging around the house. And so I didn't go back right then and there because I try not to change my answer. But a little bit later, I was like, yeah, I can do that. Do you have um, any other final word of encouragement, Liz, before we wrap things up here? I guess I just want people to know that everything you see on Instagram, it, it, it can be hard on our feelings. You know, it can be difficult because maybe we think that all parents are have all this time with their kids or have all this space and really that's not what we should be focusing on we should be focusing on what we have and what our situation is and working around that to make it work and to make those meaningful connections if you have to have less in your home and make more space for what matters then I think that's where our focus should be. And so same with time. You may not be able to control all of your time if you work full time for someone else, but where whenever you do have those moments to be at home and to um, take care of your home, how can you involve your child and, and make them a part of what you're doing so that, you know, that time is regained. So yeah. that's all. Well, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you online? Yeah, so I really just do the Instagram. And so it's Montessori and Outdoors. And I hope to maybe grow this year on TikTok and maybe other platforms. But right now, my my focus really is Instagram. All right. Well, we have two minutes left, so we're going to do two quick fire questions. The first one is what has been a beneficial resource to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? The Montessori toddler, if anybody is looking for a way to start Montessori, people always ask me that. How do I do it? I would say the Montessori notebook is the Instagram handle for Simone Davies. And then she's the author of the Montessori toddler and the Montessori baby. And the Montessori baby was written along with Juniper, I think, right? Yes, yes. I'll link that episode as well. Okay, yeah. So that um, I think is a great resource. And then also recently I partnered with um, Tiny Earth Toys, who is a rental toy company, and they will send you toys for a two-month period. You ship them back, 
and then they uh, send something different. So it's a subscription. It's very um, affordable and it's a great way to have toys, rotate them, but not always have to make space for them. Yeah. I also had her on the podcast. I'm trying to remember when I'm Googling it right now. Trying to Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Rachel Classy of Tiny Earth Toys was actually back on episode 179. So I love that conversation as well. And I'll make sure to connect that in the show notes because I really love what she's doing with Tiny Earth Toys. And if I had, I think slightly littler kids, I would have totally jumped on board with that. All right. Well, my last question, then I'll let you go is what is something that you can't stop talking about? And this can be in regards to what we talked about today or just something you're really enjoying so that people get to know you a little bit better. Right now, my main thing is connecting with children and so loving on them. And our new 2023 goal is to start our morning really slow. We want children to be on the go with us and get on board with our schedules, but that can be really stressful and demanding for small children, especially. So being very intentional about at least starting the day off slow, even if you work full-time work outside of your home, can you wake up a little bit earlier and make space and time for that physical connection with your children before you ask them to get going? Absolutely. It's one of the main reasons I homeschool because I don't necessarily love the rush of getting out the door in the morning. So it's kind of nice to have that slower start to our days. I really am enjoying that right now as well. That's lovely. Yeah. We, we hope to be able to homeschool eventually, but right now it's not in the books. It's definitely, uh, has to be a very thought out, uh, consideration because it's pretty life-changing for sure. Well, um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about Montessori in the outdoors. I appreciate you. Thank you, Diana. Have a great day. Thank you so much for inviting me. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.